Hey, everybody, and welcome to Sciotis Insiders Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to episode two, season one. Um, I'm really happy um, to get back out here um, and record another week. We received a lot, a lot of feedback, well over 100 um, listeners. Um, so that was really, really surprising. I'm just so happy. Uh, I'm happy. Some of the feedback that we get, I think, is very important that we talk about it. So at the beginning of every show, the following week, we're going to go back and answer some of those questions. Um, one of the big questions was, Trey, you didn't tell us about yourself. Okay, so let me tell you about myself. All right. So I joined the Army as a military policeman. Um, some of the best years of my life. Met, met a lot of great people. Shout out Willie C. After that, I reclassed to counterintelligence. Hold on, two deployments as an MP, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, I appreciate all those soldiers that I served with and the leaders and stuff like that that I had. And then I went to, I reclassed to counterintelligence. Um, that's kind of what I found was a better fit for me. Um, I enjoyed it and I excelled at it. And that's what I stuck with. And then I was medically retired right at about 10. Um, I had some stuff going on with me, so I was forced to get out. So that's what happened. So I was like, all right, well, let me exceed and excel in some other ways. And I went to school. I got my associates. Actually, I had that while I was in. I finished my bachelor's. I got my associates in intelligence studies. I have my bachelor's in intelligence operations. I have my master's in emergency management and homeland security and i'm in my phc classes for global security um so that is kind of the path that i've chosen getting the best of both worlds being to be able to be a contractor running my own company and still going to school i still feel like you're getting after it and doing something helping those guys pay the rent monthly so it's just my little piece that i can do now we're gonna one of the people that i have on today um is gene thompson i served with him um circa 11 12 afghanistan very good time we served on a psd team together one of my very good friends now he got out um, transitioned out and he is in wealth management up in new york so gene we're very happy to have you on thanks i uh, appreciate you having me it's an honor so one of the uh, one of the other big questions that we got was what is a 1099 a lot of these younger guys in the mill, and you know what? I can't even say younger guys, man. Every so there's a lot of people that don't know the difference between a 1099 and a W-2, all right? And I kind of uh, floored past that last week and kind of made some assumptions, so my apologies. We're going to make sure that we give you guys the feedback and the, bring on the people that really can expand on um, these topics. So, Gene, if you got a new guy that's getting ready to – when I say new guy, he's getting ready to new guy coming to – civilian world uh he's getting ready to transition out no matter how many years he has and he's getting ready to transition out and he's getting ready to uh do some contracting or whatever or he could just be doing some consulting you know here stateside and a company wants to say because people think a 1099 just means overseas it's not there's a lot of 1099s right here stateside you know what i mean so i'm gonna let you talk on that though but if a new a guy's getting ready to get out and he's saying hey gene he's one of your buddies he says you know some company offered me, which one do a path do I want to take, a 1099 or a W-2? You know, what would you advise them on? Uh, that's, a, that's a really great question. That can really, it needs to be answered because it's uh, situation dependent. Uh, so a lot of things will go into it. Uh, and the first thing I would recommend that they do is talk to a certified public accountant or a CPA, somebody that's an, an expert in the tax code. 
Um, the main differences between W-2 and a 1099 is that a W-2 is given to an employee. Um, so things like your FICA taxes and your Social Security taxes, the employer pays uh, for a portion of those. Um, a 1099 employee or 1099 miscellaneous, because there's actually 16 different types of 1099s out there, um, is would be considered a, a self-employed individual. So that means uh, if you're a 1099 employee, uh, the good news is, is you have the ability to be able to deduct a bunch of different things that you are using for your business. So if you're a contractor going overseas, you could deduct things like uh, travel expenses, any gear equipment that you buy for your job, uh, your internet, you might be able to deduct your housing. Uh, so there's a lot of potential to uh, take deductions on those. And what that means is that you're lowering the taxable income that you have. Uh, and that's really important uh, because as a 1099 employee, uh, you're in charge of the 15 total 15% FICA Medicare tax, uh, your income tax, which could range for somebody doing a contract overseas anywhere between 22 and 34% your state tax, which could range from another five to 7%, um, you're responsible for all that. And none of that is taken out of your 1099 income. You're given the money and you're responsible for withholding those taxes. And when tax time comes, you're gonna need to, to pay Uncle Sam. So the good news is if I spend $5,000 in gear, well, I now have $5,000 less that would be taxed by Uncle Sam at 22% and at 15% and at my state tax. Um, so it's really situation dependent uh, on what you wanna do because there's also other things that you could do as a 1099 employee uh, or strategies. You could put it into a business and qualify for um, qualified business income, an additional 20% set up retirement plans. Uh, it, it's really going to be situation dependent uh, because especially if you have a, a relationship, what it, what is the other spouse bringing to the table? What's going on? What's the length Absolutely. of your contract? There's a, there's a lot of things that go into it. That's, that, that, that was a very, you just educated me on some stuff actually, but uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, what else do you, I, I would tell people this, if you are able to, uh, basically the uh, 1099, and what I would say, tell, tell a person, and I'm not a uh, subject matter expert like Gino, but I'd be like, hey, if you don't want taxes taken out any time throughout the year, and you know that you're planning on making a lot of money throughout that year, and you're going to have the discipline to put this, the taxing taxes away and draw interest on that money, and so at the end of the year, you pay out and you still made a little bit off that money that you were planning to spend on taxes. Then, yeah, go to 1099 route if you got the self-discipline. But if you don't, don't go that route. Just tell them like, hey, I'll be a W-2. Take your taxes out. Oh, and also, you know what I'm saying? Fight when he was mentioning all that, those uh, 1099 does not get health care. You have to have your own. So this is a lot. A lot of times I think really for the the military retiree or the military um, disabled uh, person. You know what I mean? I don't know if I would tell a kid getting out the military, hey, you know what I'm saying? Take that 1099 position if you don't, if you aren't making enough money to pay your own medical. 
What do you think about that? Yeah, that once again, that's what makes the it's situation dependent. You know, medical costs, private medical insurance is is astronomical prices right yeah. now. Once again, yes, you need to pay for it as a 1099 employee, but the other thing is, is that you can then turn around and use that as a deduction. Uh, Absolutely. The other thing I, I would say too is, if you do talk to a CPA, uh, the one thing that they could do for you is they could set up um, quarterly payments to the IRS. So that way at the end of the year, you don't have a $30,000 tax bill due. And you have an idea yeah. that, okay, uh, Q1, I'm going to need to pay $4,000 in. So I know that I need to shell off about $4,000 to, to do that. And you can pay it periodically. Uh, but once What's Q1? Uh, quarter one, first quarter. Okay. When does that run from? Uh, well, it depends. If you're a 1099, just a regular normal employee, it'd be a calendar year. So March uh, or April 1st, January to end of March. Um, but if yeah. you start up your own business, uh, you have the flexibility to choose, um, depending on the type of business structure you set up, you'd have the ability to choose when you want your fiscal quarter to start. Yeah. I just had to play devil's advocate right there, bro, because I know the difference, but that would have been a question I got. So absolutely. I just had to ask. Yeah, absolutely. So if these people, I, you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm definitely going to vouch for you. I think that your expertise in the field is definitely surprised and amazed me. Not surprised in the fact that, um, oh, he didn't do well. He's doing well in it. No, you would have done well in anything you did. It was just a field that I definitely didn't, didn't even know you had a passion for because of the type of soldier you were. You know what I mean? I was like, man, this guy was a hard, hard charger, rock star. You know, like I didn't. I guess people don't even think about like, oh, that's the he. This person might have a, a passion to do something else other than than what we're doing in the military. It's crazy, you know what I mean? So I was like really happy to see you get out there and do well and excel in that. Um, so that's definitely congrats on that. But how can these people reach you? You know, you being a veteran, um, having all this knowledge and wealth management and being able to, you know, possibly answer some questions and do that. How can they reach out to you? Yeah. Uh, I would say that the best way to reach out to me would probably be, be Twitter. I'm pretty, try to stay somewhat active on there more than, more than everything else. Uh, my handle would be, uh, at omit the limbic, um, O M I T T H E L I M B I C. Um, just send me a DM on there. That's probably the best way to reach out to me. I'm a huge fan of, you got an email. What's the email for you? I was just about to say, I don't have, I'm not a huge fan of emails. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, a, a good email would be uh, Thompson1407 uh, at iCloud uh, would probably be the best one uh, to reach me at. That's the one I, I try to monitor the most. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Sorry. Sorry for that extra 40. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah that, that's the other. I, uh, like I tell people, I, being a veteran and being in the military, I kind of naturally specialize in that area um if you're looking to do the uh what i would call x expat route which is a u.s citizen working overseas try to find if you're looking for a financial advisor uh try to find a financial advisor a financial planner or accountant that specializes in dealing with that because that's a completely different beast uh in, in intricate details and i mean even when people come to me and they're like hey i'm looking to do this I can help you out with the veteran stuff, but 
uh, it'd be a disservice to you because I'm just not an expert in that. And that's not fair to you. Uh, so that's my ethical responsibility. And that just speaks to your character even more. Don't waste that man's time. He's letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't waste your time. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Gene, man. And um, take care, man. Cheers to the family. Stay safe out there in New York. You too. I appreciate you having me. Take care. All right, brother. All right, guys, we're going to get on to the next topic. Um, very, very prevalent right now. Um, definitely prayers to uh, my my home state, Ohio. You know, it definitely was not a good day to wake up and, you know, see that. And that doesn't mean any less about Texas. That's just where I'm from. I'm from Ohio. So, that, you know, that resonates really closer to home. Texas is, that's... You know, what's crazy is if you guys tuned in to last week, I talked about an active shooter at Walmart. I talked about it. But y'all don't hear me, though. Um, this week, I brought on Tom Sizz. How you doing, Trey? Man, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day. I know you're traveling. Just want to talk. We're talking about this active shooter thing, and I just want to kind of get right to it. People know what it is. There's no... There's no way around it. You know what I mean? Some people are saying, hey, you know, let's automatically start taking away weapons. Let's start doing this and doing this. I'll tell you my outlook on it. The uh, piece of metal does not change. It will rust. It will age. But it will not change. A weapon has no brain. Therefore, it cannot do anything on its own unless it's a mechanical failure. So... When people say, oh, let's automatically take away the weapons and stuff like this. Now, this is before my time. People once upon a time, uh, you know, used to drive to school and stuff like that with rifles in the back, you know, and go hunting afterwards. Yep. Now. Yeah, society's changed and you're definitely right. And people like to jump to that. That's their first one. The first thing is to jump to weapons, jump to guns and. You've known me long enough and well enough as a friend and as a colleague in the same space to that. It's not a political Republican or Democrat thing. Um, Appeasing people right now in this moment by saying, we'll take away guns. We'll make it be more vigilant on weapons. Let's not forget 9-11. How many people died in a matter of hours because of two planes? Those weren't guns. So when hate is out there and evil's out there, it, that's what changes everything. And that's what people need to address. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do. You know, and I got to say, you know, what I'm saying that we can't. I think that uh, I think the, the the outlook on it is changing now. You know what I mean? Uh, if if this person is of this race or of that race is one topic, if it's this race or that race is another topic, you know, you got to call it what it is. It's yeah. just hate. You know what I mean? And it is what yep. it is. You cannot. That's not even I, you know what's messed up. It's like I want to say that is not a race thing. But we, I think we as a country haven't got over a lot of stuff. This is a thing. It's like we're all equal. We're all the same. Like it doesn't even matter our skin tone. We're all, and I think, you know, I, I, I almost, you know, like in some countries it's mandatory that you do some military time. That's like the first thing that's broken out of people. Everybody's the same exactly. color. You know what I mean? Law enforcement. Everybody's the same color. You know, so it's just, I don't know. But getting back to this, Tom, tell us a little bit about, um, uh, about your company, Armor One. 
your experiences with active shooters before we really get into the to the weeds in on this thing. So I started this company after the Sandy Hook attack, December 14th, 2012. At the time, I was a homicide detective, SWAT team operator, and trainer for active shooter. And my wife was a city school teacher. And between the, the two marriages, second marriage for each of us, we had uh, six children now ranging from the age of eight to 23, my oldest being mm -hmm. in the Army. And I, as a police officer and SWAT team operator, um, with all the gear in my trunk, all the training that they had dumped into me, I was useless to my own kids. Being a minimal of 20 minutes away, if an active shooter like Sandy Hook, Parkland, any of these broke out at my kid's school. And I was devastated as a dad. Just like you, the big heart behind what you do is because you're passionate about keeping people protected and alive. So having that same thing, what am I going to do to protect my wife, protect my kids? Um, I'm out here protecting everybody else. What am I going to do? And that's where Armored One got started. And uh, Armored One is a Christian-based company put on the armor of God. And I'm going to talk today a little bit about good and evil. This is a, a good and bad that we're fighting. This this is straight evil. I think the Al-Qaeda are laughing at us as a country, saying you're tearing yourself apart. They don't even have to do much to us right now. So we started this company and got it going. And uh, over the course of six years, we have the nation's leading active shooter experts from FBI, Homeland Security, Secret Service, Department of Justice, we have Navy SEALs, Delta Force operators, Green Berets, Army Rangers, you name the special forces. They've come over here on top of different intelligence agencies working here. And then we brought on also, you know, I don't just stick to subject matter experts in the government, but we also have former administrators from schools and large businesses that are part of our team collaboratively to come up with solutions for what's going on out there. And we truly specialize in the education. But we work for some of the largest companies in the world, too, for protection against active shooters with their with their companies. And Walmart is not one right now, as you can see, yeah. with how terrible things yeah. have been going for them. But our passion is keeping people alive, getting people home to their families. And um, over the course now of six years, we have gone out to every single mass shooting mm -hmm. at schools and investigated them ourselves and offered support services of psychologists, uh, chaplains and counselors on top of investigating to see what happened. And I myself have been to over 50 mass shootings uh, to investigate and work with people and uh, victims' families, things like that. So a lot of hands-on experience in, in the active shooter realm over the past six years. And I've had the honor of being at uh, the White House numerous times, working with um, all the way up to the President of the United States. So been been honored with because of the people that work here, not because of me by any means. I'm just your your chubby fat cop is all I am. <laughs> Silly. That coordinated people. Silly. One of the best dudes <laughs> I know. Here I am walking in the Atlanta airport. I'm walking and walking. You know what I'm saying? I hear somebody say, Trey, Trey. I look around. Never seen that. We'd never had met. And then, you know, I obviously I saw his profile. And I'm like, okay, well, I know what his face is, you know. And then he's like, oh, man, boom, there it was. Tom says. I was like, wow. Met in the Atlanta airport. Here of all the places. Great it's day. Great day. Was. Um, Tom, I'm so happy on man. Obviously, you guys can hear, you know, he has a plethora of, uh, of experience. You know, that's this people think that, you know, uh, a lot of the security field is unicorns and rainbows. It's not, you know, I can't get on here and preach that everything is peachy and stuff like that because it's not. You guys are watching the news, yeah. you guys see what's happening with this active shooter thing. I want to kind of go through this moment in time. I'm going to go through um, this Walmart situation. And if you guys went on my page, it, I had posted some of the video of one of the responders um, getting on there, in which 
let's go ahead and put that out there. Let me go ahead and define that. So everybody that says, you know, we got to wait for the first responders. Guess who's the first responder? It's a concealed carries carrier that's in that vicinity of you. He or she is the first responder. You are the first responder if you want to do something. Um, but we'll get into that. And Trey, I'll, I'll even add to that. The first responders are the people that are there now. They're going to give medical aid, stop the shooter. And what we refer to at Armored One are are the um, the heroes or the, the stoppers is what we like mm -hmm. to call them, are the ones with yeah. weapons, the police officers. They're there's always a time delay, but if you're there as a first responder and you're carrying, you're a yeah. stopper. You are one of the heroes of who's going to step up, possibly give up their life, lay the ultimate sacrifices, laying down your life for somebody mm -hmm. else. Um, and take that risk on yourself to fight a Walmart shooter with an AK-47 with a handgun, that takes some balls. And it's a scary situation. I've been shot at before, and being outgunned is not fun. But like you said, you're the first responder. You're there, and you're the one that can stop this immediately. Absolutely. So if I'm walking up to, I'm, I, you know, I'm carrying, I'm walking up to Walmart, you know, and uh, we're going in. I'm in there shopping. I hear, let's say I'm with my wife and my kids, two kids, all right? We're in there, we're walking around, and I hear shots ring out. People have said, Trey, what would you do? All right, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do so you know I'm not bullshitting you. If I'm in this situation and I have my kids and my family, it is a totally different Trey. Okay, you may or may not get Mac or the guy that's about to say, hey, let me give up willingly the protect of my family to go protect everyone. Now, before y'all start judging me, I've been paying the rent now for a few years. So I didn't done my fair share out here across this pond. So but when you are put into that situation, all this training that people get the concealed carries permit. That's just like just like PT or physical training in the military. We tell people, hey, guess what? It's an individual responsibility. I am individually responsible for my tribe. That is it. If I choose yep. to give up that right to protect just my tribe and say I am willing to give my life again, if this goes bad, then that's on me. But if I am saying, hey, right now, the protection of my family is more important than this situation, then I'm, I'm leaving. I'm finding the nearest exit. Yep. I'm going to, you know, I'm bounding, which means I'm going to be moving from cover to cover, which cover would be an aisle. You know, the shelves in the aisle, those are good. Um, you definitely don't want to get behind some towels or some, some pillows. But, uh, Actually, pillows might, it depends on how many pillows it is, but you don't want to get behind. You don't want to get behind something that's not going to be at least three to five inches. That's a good piece of cover. Anything less than that is just concealment, meaning it's just kind of shadowing you from that threat. That that whatever that threat may have could still penetrate you, but it's giving you some type of blockage. Maybe you're trying to see if this person is coming this way, or whatever. So in that situation, let me go back. I'm not trying to beat around. So in that situation, Trey is leaving. I'm getting me 
And I'm going to get my three. I will put it this way. I'm going to get my three people I have the responsibility to, to a vehicle. Now, am I going to go back into that Walmart knowing me? Oh, yeah. Probably so. Probably so. I'm going to tell my family to go ahead and drive up the street a bit, wait for me to give them a call. That's that's probably what's going to happen. You know, I, I, I just can't. I, I don't think I could morally just walk away from that. It's too much. That I, I mean, going on, like, I don't think I could do it, especially if there was life loss and there was anything that I could have done um, to prevent that. So I'm well, Trey, I know you well enough at this point, too, that people don't understand PTSD for first responders in our military. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as civilians, they don't get it that if you do nothing, you're going to you're going to save your family. And if that ends by the time you save your family, you're going to have a screwed up life the rest of your life that you didn't do enough at that moment. But again, like you said, you've got to weigh the balance. My wife and my kids come first. And that that goes for me, too. My my family is number one, but the minute that they're safe, and I know you well enough, you're going to be hauling ass back in there. Yeah. You're going to be ready to fight, and you're going to do whatever you can to end it. I'm, but living living with the regret that you can't move fast enough, you can't stop it fast enough, that's something that you and I live with from what we've seen, what we've experienced throughout our careers. Yeah, 100%. I don't think that, and you know, I know you as good as, as well. You would do the exact same thing. I mean, it's just some people is just in the DNA. Yeah. And, you know, and, and hold on, let me back back and say, there's nothing less of you if you get in that vehicle and drive away. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, 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 I won't think any less of you. And nobody else can yep. because they've, if they less, they've been in that situation. Exactly. Now, you've been in that and, and you're no good to anyone else if you're killed, too. So some people think that being the hero is running back and, and being killed trying to stop them. But you become another casualty that's in the way of the first responders that can stop, too. So you're right. Absolutely. And this is not about, hey, let me go be a hero. I want to be on the front page. No, this is not that. You know what I mean? This is It's not that. All right? I'd almost wish if you thinking it's that, I wish you wouldn't even go in because you're probably going to make things worse. Uh, exactly. Active shooters uh, very, very, very normally are so fixated and so masculine up in their head they don't think anyone can defeat them they usually are not searching searching or scanning anywhere above or they're not looking below three feet go go, totally tunnel vision total total yep you're i'm and and even to bag back when you're if you're that military guy and you're or you're even that regular guy or any guy or gal when you're, it's time to move. It's time to move, and you're talking to your family. Think about the, think about the situation. You may be able to handle that. Okay, you may be able to handle that. But what if your family can't? Yep. What happens when round starts going off? What happens? Your tunnel vision comes yep. in. The people, you you literally can talk to people during a firefight or something like that. And be like, hey man, you remember saying like I have no clue what you what you were saying, at all. You know what I mean? Like I think I know what you said, <laughs> unless it was something about the mission. So when you're talking to your family and you're moving, if you've never practiced that or you've never talked to them in that manner, because it's probably going to be a different version of yourself, because you got a weapon drawn, your heart's going to be pumping. So this is not typical dad. All right. <laughs> So you're probably going to scare you probably going to scare your own family a little bit. 
and then in the whole situation. So calm them down and then let them know what you're going to do. All right. Start making, making sure you keep up that communication piece, even with them and then check on them, make sure that they understand like, Hey, you understand what I'm saying? All right. Tell me back what you, what you're going to do. Do you understand? Okay. Because that's all that's important because if they don't understand and they get out there and stand in the middle of, of the aisle or the walkway, because they blank, then what? You got to go out there and grab them. And you're not even going to think twice about it. Now you put yourself in danger. Now you might be, you might get highlighted um, because uh, something moved over there. And also, people, this is another thing. Okay, Tom, I got a question for you. This I, I, I've been hearing this a lot. People crowding. Is this a good idea? I know it's not. I just I want you to tell me what your expertise about crowding. Like if I'm in Walmart, do I want to run where there's other, where there's 50 other people? The people crowd because they feel safe and they feel secure. Mm -hmm. So instinctively their bodies want to be around other people because they feel safe. And what truly you're doing at that moment is making a bigger target for the shooter and the attacker. He is looking for easy targets. He's looking for large groups because they're typically not a good shot. They're typically not trained. Uh, they're not good at what they're doing. And like you said, they're, they're thinking that they're going to just be able to overtake whoever's there and nobody can stop them. So when you crowd, you're actually making an easier target. What you should be looking for is if you're going to be running and taking off the right exit, get out. If the shooter's inside the building, get out. In Walmart, he started outside the building. If you were to try to run past him, you would have been shot and killed, and tragically people were. But they also waited inside the building for him to come through the front doors and shoot and kill people. So making your way outside the building and knowing that if you get out the back, run and continue to take off. God forbid this is a terrorist attack and there's secondary devices and cars and parking lots. Get away until your police officers fire an EMS tell you can come back, get your cars and do that stuff. Get away from the building, get away from the shooter. Absolutely. There's definitely no materialistic thing worth more than your life. Because exactly. I've never heard one obituary say, man, shouldn't have went and ran for that Louie. Yeah, well, they they don't even sell that good of stuff at Walmart either. There's nothing at Walmart exactly worth dying for. I can tell you that nothing, nothing worth anywhere. So this is another thing that I was thinking about. Here I am, a CCW carrier. I, I you know, I, I pull my pistol out. You know, and I'm I'm defending my family, and I'm trying to get to the nearest exit. Now, how do how does how do you know on the other side? of Walmart, but you can see me that I'm not a bad guy. Exactly. And that's because what I, that's what? what I wanted to bring up too, Trey. I got tattoos, a beard, I got sleeves, I got freaking a big, they, they, who knows? People think crazy things. You know what I mean? So how do I know that I'm not, how do I know that other innocent person in the store isn't a bad guy? Exactly. Cause I'm military in mind. I might think, oh man, he's a sleeper. Yep. There's people two people in that. this attack. Yeah. So one so thing I learned think? being being a detective. So you and I, you're you're a lot more muscular and better looking than me. But also <laughs> being tattooed with a beard, bald guy, I, I look like a criminal. I'm a Harley rider, and I, yep. I look the part. But yep. here I am as a detective, and all I have is a little tiny badge next to my gun. And the amount of blue on blue shootings where cops are shooting cops happens time and time again because the tunnel vision that we talked about earlier. Um, losing everything except for the focus on the bad guy. You see somebody with a gun, you're more than likely going to start shooting, especially in a situation 
where you're hearing multiple rounds and no people are dying, you're going to make a bad decision based on inexperience yeah. and not being there. So I always recommend too, and people will argue with me, feel free on, on the forums to argue with me, but the, the last moment that you can is pulling that gun, practicing. If you're a carry concealed person, practicing that draw and getting it on target, how fast can you do that? How fast can you draw and get on target? I know action is quicker than reaction, but the goal is, is that you have a handgun, he's got a rifle. You've got to have some sort of tactics to get up close enough to him to take him out, which means the surprise, you're going to have to do it right. And sometimes it's even taking your time. And by, I don't mean 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It might take 30 seconds to wait for him to come into a trap that you've set where you're behind cover. Like you said, he's going to come up and now you're at, at the right distance that you can take him out. But if you have that gun out and there's another first responder, there's another person carry conceal, or there's a police officer there and just sees you with a gun, they are going to think there's two people attacking. It's not, it, it, you don't know good guys, bad guys based on anything other than possibly maybe a full uniform. But even then cops have shot cops in full uniform. Doesn't matter, like you said, the color of your skin, the race, none of that. What it what matters is is that there's a person with a gun, and that's what you see when you're in combat. Period. Yep. That is it. So, and it takes very, it takes a lot of time to get that tunnel vision. You know, you start getting it out inch by inch, year by so like year by year. You get out, and you start seeing that full full person. You know, what I mean, it takes time to get there. It's not something, and then you have to also think, hey, these are people that literally. If you know what, let me back back. If you're the person that went to a C one CCW class and never devoted any other money, which there's nothing wrong with, but I'm just gonna say, if you never devoted any other money to that craft, you are definitely the person that should get yourself and your family out of that store. Because if you have no other training uh, than just uh, that day training that you went to for your concealed leave, because you are could potentially put somebody in danger or you know shoot an innocent person exactly shoot an innocent person you have no yep. you just got one day and some of these trainers out here let you shoot one one ref one round inside a bucket come on man and That's crazy. in the same in the same ways that guns guns are not the problem you know it's a, a deep issue that's not even worth talking about today maybe some other podcast but guns yeah. are not the issue in the same way gun, a gun does not make you safe and a gun does not make you a badass either if you are not At training all. and you are not prepping the Navy SEALs that, that work with us, they tell us that we dry fire more than we ever fire. We are practicing our grip, our stance, our trigger pull. That way it comes as second nature. And if you go to the range two, three times a year, went to one class, and you think in a shootout where somebody's shooting uh, an M4, an AR-15, an AK-47 at you with a handgun, man, you need to rethink what you're doing because that is some scary shit going on at that moment. And you having to focus on your front sights, and shoot the bad guy from 20 yards away with a little carry conceal gun, you have something coming to you. You need to realize that, like you said, you could be shooting some innocent little six-year-old kid and killing someone while you're trying to do the right thing, which is stopping the bad guy. So you never see a golfer go out and golf one time and then become a PGA you know, tour winner or any of that stuff because it needs practice. It needs classes. It needs guidance. It needs professionals showing you how to do it. And we, we don't offer any of those types of classes, any of those things, but we highly recommend when people are carrying, we need more good guys and good girls with guns, get them out there, but they need to be trained. And if they're not trained, they're, they're more of a detriment than they are a help to us. You definitely know somebody who does, and that's me. So come check out my CCW class anytime you want. <laughs> it's a four hour class, two hours in the classroom, two hours in the range. Ain't no getting around it. Absolutely. Um, 
And we just added the advanced class. So go check that out. It's posted on the Facebook page. But um, Tom, I, that information is is priceless. If you are not going to really devote yourself um, to finishing what you're what you're what you're about to say, I will do. Don't start it. Yep. So if you're inside of that store and you're like, oh, you know what, fam, and you're just you, it's just you by yourself. And you're like, you know what, I'm gonna pull my pistol out and I'm gonna do this thing. All right. You got all the training in the world. You're ready. You got everything, but you get halfway into it and you get shook. Yep. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and leave. Then just go ahead and leave. Put your pistol away and leave as fast as you can. Because if you are running around with a pistol, somebody is going to maybe possibly think, hey, that's a bad guy. He's running. Or if I'm a bad guy and I got, oh, cool. Most of these dudes got video game experience. So they're like, oh, a moving target. Let me shoot this big old 762 I got or this AK or whatever. You know, let me shoot it, which they're both the same, but actually it's a millimeter <laughs> bigger. But somebody, because somebody would have said something like, oh, there's another difference. But uh, if you want to be that moving target and move like that, then that's on you. Trey, think about two. I said it better. If, if, they're, if they're deciding at that moment to move, they draw their gun and they're moving towards, towards the shooter and, you know, Godspeed, mm-hmm. get to them and get them out. But you might be moving a crowd of people. They see you with a gun. They don't know, like we said earlier. You could be a second shooter. You might be pushing people back into gunfire that are getting killed because they're running from you to get out of there. So when I when I was teaching in the police academy, when I taught uh, one of the classes was these guys, these new cops, you know, these testosterone filled young men and young women that want to go out there and just kick ass and save the world. When you're off duty and you're carrying, you need to understand blue on blue. Again, you're going to try to do the right thing. But you draw that gun at the last moment and you put it away as fast as possible. Because like we, like I just said, you could be pushing people, you could be pushing the herd in front of the guy shooting the gun. It's a, it's a terrible thing that you're, you're, you're putting more sheep out there to be killed compared to keeping people in place. And you might be more effective in just helping people get out. You're near the exit and they're, they freeze, they're stuck, they're hiding underneath something that they're going to get found and shot. Get them out of the building before you even start making your um, bounding overwatches or anything that you're doing there trying to get to the shooter. And like you said, that gun comes out you're committing, you You really need to commit because you're going to be more of a detriment than you are are good in that moment. But if you're if you're going to do it, do it. And, you know, we're praying you take them out. People, people have asked me, well, what happens if you're in a shooting? Um, active shooter situation. I said, first, I statistically, I pray, God, if there's going to be one, let it be where I am. I'm carrying, I'm trained, I'm ready to take the shooter out. And if they're going to happen, like you said, I don't want to be any hero. I could give give a crap if anyone ever knows my name for doing that. But the tragedies I've seen, the families I've been with that have lost kids, families, uh, or family members, I don't ever want to see it again. And if men you and women, you were in Parkland, weren't you? I was, yeah, I was in Parkland numerous times, uh, the, from the shooting for about a week, our team of, of about 10 down there have some great friends and families of victims, families, and the hell that they've gone through losing their kids. You know, I I don't wish wish it on our worst enemies, Tom. How do, how how have you you've been in numerous with all these scenes? How do you how how is the effects of it? To some degree, it's traumatic, and I don't I don't say that in a way for people to feel bad for me or my team. Yeah, but yeah. it's tough. Be, the 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 worst part is is that we have our own families at home. We have our own kids, mm-hmm. and when you when you go yeah. to scene after scene, and you're there, and you realize how vulnerable 
we truly are as a nation, how vulnerable our schools are, it makes it more painful and it also makes you more hyper-focused on what we stand for and what we're doing. You know, you, I, I know you and you know me, we're not getting rich doing this at all. Mm -hmm. We're creating solutions typically when there's something you're passionate about is not what you make money on. You yeah. know, but going to these, that's what has been really hard. But um, seeing the relationships that have come out of what we're doing when a shooting happens and victims' family members are reaching out or people that were there. And a lot of people think, well, the only victim of that crime is the parents of that kid, the brother or the siblings of that kid. And that's not true. The, the people who survive, whether they're in another building in Parkland, they're, they're eight buildings away on the 12-building campus. No matter where they are, there there is grief and there's remorse. Uh, just like the soldiers who are no longer in the military. I know you got a lot of vets that listen to you and follow you. You take those vets and they go home from Afghanistan and one of their friends dies two years later. In their brain, they should have been there. It's part of hard, hard, yeah. hard being retired from a SWAT team where I trained our guys and they're, they're your family. That same goes for somebody at a school. There, there was no way possible for that teacher to get across the building to effectively save a life. Medically changed the rest of their life because they couldn't do enough. And that's, that's kind of where, where my team stands. We're very big on helping each other. We have our own psychologists and chaplains that uh, we do a lot of talking. And I know it's not a manly thing is what people perceive, but I've lost friends sure. to PTSD. I've lost cops. I've lost um, soldiers that I'm friends with that have taken their own lives because of what they've gone through. And it's the last thing I want for anyone on my team, any of the people I love and care about or who have served and sacrificed for our country. Man, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm, I've lost probably like four friends within the last year just from opioids oh. addiction and just it's just man it's ridiculous but that's another podcast that stuff makes me in my feelings but uh one of the things that i wanted to make sure i talked about today so if you are in the store let's talk with one of my buddies a state highway patrolman i was like hey kale tell me about if I'm a CCW shooter. I'm in Walmart. I'm by myself. And I take the shot. Am I good to go? Can I leave? Some people don't know accountability. Some people don't know, like, hey, I have to stay. They don't teach that in most these. Hey, if you take a shot, you need to stay around to, you know, ensure that, you know, you write your statement and all that stuff. Definitely call your lawyer. Um, you, and then some people don't know that. Like, hey, if I, what do I do if... I pull my weapon out. I mean, do I have to write a brandishing report? Like, what do I have to do if, you know, what do I have to do if I'm on the scene and, and I and I fire and I miss? Yep. Nobody saw, but they're going to review that that footage. You can guarantee that. And what do I need to do? I, I would say I mo people, <laughs> most states, you're, you're covered by self-defense laws. But okay. I'll, just for clarity, you know, being a detective for years, when, when we're hearing there's possibly two to three shooters that are out there, you drew your gun, somebody saw, you know, a fat, white, bald guy with tattoos up and down with a beard who had a gun. Yep. There was another shooter there. I never shot my gun. I never got close mm -hmm. enough to shoot, but I took off. And now people in the community are terrified, thinking there's another shooter who's going to attack any moment at the target down the street, the, you know, Coles, whatever. And they need, you need to be you stay close and when things have calmed down you go and you approach them and let them know i 
I shot three rounds. And you got to remember, every round in the U.S. coming out of your gun, you're you're liable for. You make a bad shot and you hit somebody, you're you could be charged with assault if they don't die. You could be charged with um, a homicide, so manslaughter or any of that for killing somebody. So you got to understand that every bullet that you shoot that comes out, but on top of just a clarity thing for people, point of informations and be on the lookouts. They need to understand, you know, Trey and Tom were there and they both had their guns out. They never got to the shooter. He was taken out before or took off, but these guys were good guys trying to fight back and you're, you're covered in a majority. And we work out of 48 States. I would say almost every single state that we've worked out of you're covered in. Yeah. It's good information. And, and if you are, you know, the licensed carrier and you pull out your pistol and you fire, um, I would say do this. This is two things that he told me to do, tell you for sure. One, when you pull your pistol out and, you let, and you're making the decision to do it, and if you're by yourself, call 911 and say, hey, I'm at this location, I'm a licensed carrier, and I'm responding to an active shooter, and I'm wearing this. Great info. Yes. All right. That will sit. Don't think, oh, I need to react so soon and end up getting shot. All right. Because you don't know if there's cops already inside the store. You have no idea of that. Yep. So you need to let somebody know. Yep. Second thing, upon seeing EMS, first responders, law enforcement, any personnel like this, you need to go ahead and put your pistol away. If you get arrested, just know this is normal procedure. Correct. They're gonna they're gonna figure it out. So people say, oh, if I do the right thing, then I'm gonna get arrested. It's they have to figure it out because all they know there was an active shooter here, and do not be the one to cause a situation to take the minds and the efforts away from the real fight to you because now you want to act up because you decided to pull your pistol out and do the right thing, but now you got arrested and you're sitting in the back of the cop car for four hours now because you <laughs> chose to do that. Yep. I'm saying this is real life. It is. You know, and because they have, you got to think about the amount of people that are inside bleeding out. If this shooter did get some shots off bleeding out, you got, there's not enough hands sometimes to cover all the wounds. Yes, I agree. There's not enough mouth sometimes to, to do CPR. You know what I mean? So, and then, but he doesn't have, he or she may not have enough time to say, Hey, look, I'm doing this for your safety and mine. I hate that statement. Trust me. I do. Yeah. But in that type of situation, it makes sense. You know what I mean? Or at least somebody's going to come talk to you once everybody gets there anyway. So you really want, shouldn't be back there. that. So Trey, I, you know, everybody, I retired as a police officer in New York when we would shoot and kill somebody on the job, you have to go before yeah. grand jury to see if you're going to be charged. So if a cop can be held, who's been, blessed by the state to take people's lives when um, it follows the law, but it still gets reviewed as a police officer. I did everything right in my shooting and I have to go and have a grand jury decide if I'm being charged with a manslaughter or a murder. Then the same goes for you as a civilian. We, if, if it does happen, you still need to understand that you took someone's life and it needs to be deemed and blessed by people saying you did the right thing and there's no charges that are being filed. And like you said too, the cops show up one of, one of the tragic events that, sadly, I was out for, I was in California after the there was a, a bar shooting where an active shooter came in, uh, began shooting there, had a shootout even with police. One of the police officers was killed. And about a day or two later, another bar had a shooting 
there was a carry conceal security guard there who took the shooter out. Thank God. But then he ended up laying down his life and getting killed because again, we, when you're carrying a gun, we don't know if you're good or bad. So put your gun away. Or if the cops tell you to drop your gun, you drop your gun. They tell you to see your hands, show them your hands. It's going to work out. You'll get, you know, hope, pray to God you don't get shot. But when you step up to do something heroic like that, you could also be laying down your life at the same moment. I realize with that decision, I shoot somebody, the cops could be coming through at the same time and shooting me and taking me out. And is that, is that worth it with my personal life, with what I believe, what I stand for? Is it worth laying down my life to make sure this stops? That's a decision you got to make on the spot. Absolutely. And you have to, once you bake it on the spot, stick with it and yeah. stick by it. One of my first platoon sergeants uh, told me this. He said, Trey, I'll never be mad at you if you make a decision, whether it's bad or right. If you don't make a decision and you just stand there, then I'm going to have a problem. Agree with that. I was like, I was like, you know what? That makes sense. Yep. I get it. Basically, he was saying he had one. He had trained me enough for me to know how to make a decision. Two, which I think all of our parents have, you know how to make a proper decision, make a good assessment. Um, and if you feel like that situation is out of your hands, out of your expertise, bow out. No shame in that. Yep. People do it every day. Every day. And no, no problem with that. I've seen over my career, too, when people go to make the do the right thing, it typically works out. Almost all the time it works out. When you're you're willing to sacrifice your life for other people, it's worked out. When you're when you're willing to do what's right by people, stopping on the highway, protecting them, a car accident, typically they're able to walk away from that, from being able to help people. It typically works out. So it's not, you know, we're talking doom and gloom a lot of this stuff, but it typically you, you, you the listener, you're making the right decision. It's typically going to work out. And I, I just believe in the high, higher power looking out for us when, when people are doing the right thing, even more than anything else. But there was definitely some book that I read. I think it was uh, the Bible, something about laying down your life for your brother. There was no greater, but uh, I don't know. That might be a different podcast, but uh, you know, that's definitely something that uh, in my book, I hold very highly, um, especially with, you know, just yesterday, uh, purple heart day, um, celebrating a lot, celebrating a lot, celebrating. We ain't mourning. We celebrating a lot of good men that we have lost. Absolutely. And that we have lost. So we celebrate. Um, one thing that I wanted to get to before we wrap this up, uh, Easy couldn't be on with us, but he wanted me to make sure I say stop the bleed. Oh, yeah. This is, this is important. This is important. Stop the bleed, okay? Listen, if you are in a situation and, you know what I'm saying, you see somebody bleeding or hurting in some type of way, stop the bleed. Stop it. Absolutely. Apply that direct pressure. You have to. All that, blight, that bright red blood that you see squirting out or whatever you see oozing out, the brighter the, brighter the blood, the more, if it's bright blood, it's an arterial bleeding. If it's dark, it's inside. So you need to apply direct pressure to wherever that wound is to stop that bleeding. Trade. Do a body scan of the tons of yeah. Tons of classes, tons of equipment out there for stop the bleed, and I 100% agree it, and people think you need to be a doctor, an EMT, or a medic to do this. Man, I can barely yeah. color within the lines. And I have done these classes, and I've stopped, and I've helped. And tourniquets and things that are very inexpensive. If you're a business owner, um, even in your car and driving, having that, I, 
uh, four or five years ago, I had a motorcycle guy cut off the guy in the motorcycle in a car, flies over the top. And my son, who's now in the army, the 23 year old was, was driving. We pulled over and I had a tourniquet in the trunk and put it, his kneecap was ripped off. Part of his leg was hanging and this guy would have bled out through his mortal artery. And we put a tourniquet. It was such a simple process. I'm telling you, I can barely color in the lines. You put that on, you need, like you said, stop the bleed. You can, and it's not just active shooters. It, it's everything, you know, they're bleeding. Shout out, Simple. Shout out Doc, Bur Doc Burdett. High and tight. That was his thing. Yo, put that tourniquet high and tight, Mac. Yep. Yo, it's got to be high and tight always. Save your person, save your buddy's life. All right. Save your buddy's life. It's not, you keep turning that tourniquet. It's not pleasant. People think, oh, I'm just going to turn a tourniquet. No, yeah. you turn that tourniquet. Sometimes bones are crunching. Yeah, it hurts. You hear it? It hurts. It's hurt. It hurts him and her. This is not pretty. You have to turn it to save their life. If that vein, that artery is rolling, you have to save his or her life. Exactly. And Trey, with, so with all of that, scared. when you're shot, you're not out of the fight either. So no, I absolutely not. We have one of our guys. He's a retired Navy SEAL. His name's Mike Day. He's part of our team. He was yeah. shot 27 times um, in Iraq. 14 of them entering his body and he used tourniquets, um, clot, quick clot, things like that. He's still alive and with us today. I think that was 2007, but he also killed the four guys that shot him after he was shot. So you're, you're not out of the fight because you're shot and because you're injured. So there is no giving up. You stop that bleed. You're, you're not only going to take out the bad guy, but you're also going to live to tell about it. Absolutely. Man, shout out to Matt Day. I got a buddy named Matt Day too. Sounds like some stuff he would do. Mike Day. Mike. They're probably brothers though. They're crazy. <laughs> They're probably brothers. <laughs> crazy man. Probably brothers. <laughs> yeah. He's he's definitely a hell of a guy too. Well, um, Tom, we definitely appreciate your time this week, man. Um, to all the followers, to all the listeners, everybody that's gonna download this, we appreciate you guys. Um, tune in next week. We're gonna have a great segment. Uh, Tom, what you got? We usually wrap up every uh every segment we're just giving the last little tidbit what you got i got i got we're not going to defeat these active shooters unless we work together across the u.s to really defeat evil we got to work together to let them know they don't have a place to stand i know you got a lot of carry concealed people knowing what to do with that gun that gun is just not put in your hands and it's going to stop people you're the one behind it that needs to train be ready uh be alert have your situational awareness top notch so you're paying attention you know what's going on and you really can make a difference and we need everyone to do that i'm gonna leave you guys with these few sayings that i've learned over my tenure in this realm stay alert stay alive fast is slow slow is fast respond to threats as you should do not be in a rush to do anything slow your breathing slow your body Blow your mind. This is just another day. Go through it. Excel and succeed. God bless. From us over here in Sciotis. Much love. Until next week. Take care. Peace.